0: Welcome to all to uh, the latest edition of the podcast. It is Milt Rosenberg speaking on the Milt Rosenberg podcast and speaking tonight to two old friends, Saul Stern and Peter Wood. Saul Stern is a well-known conservative, as is indeed Peter Wood. Saul Stern is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, contributing editor uh, to the City Journal. Peter Wood is nothing less than the president of what I take to be uh, the most important organization in American higher education, namely the National Association of Scholars, on whose advisory board I uh, have been honored to sit for quite a while, though I haven't given any particularly good advice. Gentlemen, indicate and prove that you're there. Saul, good evening.
1: Good evening, Milt. Uh, nice to be with you
2: again, and uh, hope we have a, a lot of fun. And Peter? Good evening, Milt, and good evening, Saul, and I'm delighted to be here, too.
0: Now, uh, both of you are the co-authors of an argumentative uh, volume, a a pamphlet-like volume, in the Encounter Books series of broadsides. It is titled common core, yay and nay. And it is the common core about which lots of people are still arguing and about which they are still dithering, which we are going to be discussing tonight. But with your indulgence, I want to start with a story that will probably take a minute or two. It is as follows. A very important colleague of mine at the University of Chicago, not in psychology, but in political science he was, uh, went with his family to uh, Paris many years ago uh, to do a year at Sciences Po, the uh, uh, the sector of l'Ecole des en Sciences Sociales where they do uh, politics. And he brought along with him his wife and his three children. All of those children had been uh, enrolled in the various schools run by the University of Chicago the elementary school, and uh, two of them in the high school at different levels. Uh, they all had trouble in school and their parents were worried about them I came to visit them in Paris once when I was scheduled to be there for something and we all went and had dinner that is uh, my lady and I and uh, my friend and his wife uh, we went to have dinner and I asked how are the kids doing and the parents fell over me in delight to say everything is transformed everything is wonderful they're working them hard they're learning a tremendous amount so and so that is the youngest child is totally fluent and now totally bilingual in French as well as English and they've never been happier in school at all. And I asked, how do you account for that? And they said they work them hard. Uh, They even make them come for half a day on Saturday. They give them lots of homework and they hold them to very high standards and as you must know, uh, the education uh, nationale requires essentially the same courses, the same readings, the same material all across the land. Some regional variation when it comes to choosing a language. If you're living uh, in the East, you might choose German. If you're living in the West of France, quite likely you choose English. This is a good 20 years ago. You understand, but I'm sure the same still applies. But in general, they were tremendously enthusiastic for what a school system and curriculum that was essentially the same over all the lycées of greater France uh, uh, demanded of their children. Uh, What does that suggest to either or both of you as we uh, begin to talk about the Common Core?
1: I may, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll say it's, a, uh, uh, it's not only a great story and an inspiring story, but uh, it's a point, I didn't make it in, in my uh, broadside, but it's uh, one of the points I make in defense of the Common Core and the need for national standards, and indeed for uh, some sort of... Uh, uh, content-rich curriculum throughout our school system. France has done it. They did fantastic, as your story attests. All education, all subject matter was, was, and and the standards were run from the top down, uh, uh, what uh, Peter would call terrible federal intervention. uh, And they produced, it was not only your friend's three children that did very well, but indeed the entire Kids in France did very well. At the time, the 20 years ago that you spoke about, France had some, the top, among the top countries in terms of performance on national tests. Not only that... But they, uh, uh, they did a better job in narrowing the gap. We call it the racial achievement gap. I guess they are more likely the uh, class or the uh, a- economic achievement gap. They narrowed the gap between the lower classes and the wealthier classes, and uh, particularly uh, citizens from North Africa you know, who immigrated and who were behind. They were narrowing the gap. And then... Uh, let, let me do a little, if I may, a little addendum to your story. Guess what happened about 10 or 15 years ago? Uh, the French and all their genius, uh, when they had a socialist government, decided, wait, this is not good. We're pushing our kids too hard. Let's, uh, let's go over towards the American system. We're going to create 30 regions. Uh, schools can have their own things. We'll be more child friendly. And that's what happened to French achievement. They went from the very top and they went, you know, the significant dip in uh, in reading and math scores compared to other countries and the, uh, the, the narrowing of the gap stopped. So to me, this is a case study to prove that we need, uh, our country too, needs national standards and some sort of unified, not a national curriculum, but a content-based grade-by-grade curriculum. In France at that time, at 10 o'clock in the morning on any given day, almost every kid in France was studying the same subject matter, and they learned subject matter. In the United States, because of our sort of laissez-faire attitude on this issue, the progressive educators have taken over. There is no content. There is no curriculum. The schools turn out teachers uh, uh, that uh, we don't need a curriculum. Kids will figure it out on their own. So I love your story.
0: Now, turning uh, directly to Peter Wood, is the Common Core, as advocated by Sal Stern, as uh, adopted by a number of states uh, with uh, financial uh, uh, incentives leading them in that direction as well, is the Common Core in any sense comparable to uh, the French or, for that matter, other national curriculum systems?
2: Well, anything can be comparable, but it it is its own thing, and I would... uh, say that the comparisons to the old French system or to that of other nations are not all that helpful. The common core arises from uh, its own distinct educational philosophy. Uh, It is not the uh, minutely specified curriculum that France once had and no longer, uh, but it is a a sort of in-between thing from a broad set of standards and a uh, minutely detailed set of lesson plans. I would say it's more like a curriculum than it is like a mere set of standards, but uh, it really has to be understood uh, sui generis. And uh, what it represents, in my mind, is a uh, a turn towards a a severely utilitarian approach to education. Uh, It means to be practical minded and it, uh, in that sense, foregrounds a particular way of learning math and English language arts that uh, is in spirit opposed to the um, uh, the freedom of the American curriculum. Now, that freedom has been, as I strongly agree with Saul, greatly abused over the last century by progressive educators who have uh, taken advantage of it to make a mess. But uh, we're now being invited, or in some cases dragooned, into an approach that uh, substitutes for the uh, wide-open, crazy freedom that we had to a regimentation that probably doesn't sit well with the American character and which has made the Common Core in the public mind a a byword for a kind of... Uh, blinkered authoritarianism
0: it's uh, time to really begin to define and describe what the common core is as presently advocated as presently practiced uh who does it begin with there's some particular fellow who sells uh the country essentially the bill of goods what's his name again
2: uh, his name is Coleman and uh, he's David Coleman. He's a uh, a man of um, some educational attainment, a, a Yale graduate who went off on a Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford and Cambridge, came back with a degree and uh, was entrepreneurial in spirit. He created something called the Grow Network, and in 2007, founded Student Achievement Partners, which is the parent of the Common Core. And uh, he and some of his colleagues uh, got together and basically thought this thing up out of whole cloth. I would say. Oh, that, that- is absurd! Absurd!
0: If you say it I'm is absurd, sorry, you I probably have interrupt. reasons for I, saying I, so. I
1: just can't Sort it up out of whole cloth. Are you unaware, Peter, that for 25 years, a group, a very broad group of conservatives like Bill Bennett, Diane Ravitch, at the time she was a conservative. She's now a leftist and hates the Common Core, but she's switched. But at the time, uh, uh, Chester Finn, the president of the uh, uh, Thomas uh, Thomas B. Fordham Institute, uh uh... It's to some extent some uh... uh... democratic governors like bill clinton and 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 uh... uh thomas not Tom, bill, uh... bill uh, william hunt from uh, uh... south carolina uh... elements in the uh... uh the first Georgia administration uh,
2: well, since you're asking them, that as a question, Saul, I'll, I'll give you an answer. You're asking me, well, am I he, aware of
1: the national governance? Column. Why, why is it with this conspiracy mongering? Some Duke ex machina named David Coleman, who happened to be the lead writer, but he had a huge committee around. There was a consensus document. It, it suffered from the. the
0: let's fact get some that, of the historical detail a yeah, little bit let's more let's clear. When did this happen? And uh, structurally, how was it all mounted?
2: Let me take that, since Saul has just uh, raised a set of questions. His his uh, statement there mashes together several different periods of history and several different actors who were acting independently of each other and later on found themselves uh, in an alliance of convenience. The, the many years in which conservatives were arguing for a national curriculum are a fact, and... Uh, the names of the players are as Saul has stated. But Coleman wasn't any part of that. He was his own man. He founded his own small group with a number of players who nobody would confuse as conservatives. Uh, Coleman himself and his closest colleagues were on the left, and in 2007, they were operating with prove, some gate money to invent do? a curriculum, and that's this is where it began. was not, you know, not a word about the, the Common Core before Oh, is a leftist.
0: We, we didn't catch you. Overlapping voices don't work. Now okay. uh, we cleared the space for you. Please go ahead, Saul.
1: Peter, could you provide some evidence that David Coleman is a leftist? I know the man. He's not a leftist. He's a moderate. Uh, uh, he's a moderate centrist, more leaning in in education ideas. He's he's more conservative. This is just, uh, almost McCarthyite. Uh, where is he left? First and first of all, you didn't mention he was hired by the National Governors Council and the Association of, uh, of State uh, Superintendents. These are the two groups that decided to move ahead. Uh, national groups uh, uh, representing state education superintendents and governors—not all the governors agreed, but many did—and uh, they, they they hired uh, uh, student achievement partners uh, to put together this uh, a consortium and bring together a group of advisors and writers to. to to turn out uh, to these two documents. Coleman, it wasn't Coleman's idea. It was an idea that, as I, I said, was uh, rooted in uh, lots of lots of advocacy and started by the national government. Now, Party. gentlemen, I'm no, about no, That's to... just
2: plainly false. That's not what happened.
0: Listen, oh, you, guy, is, you guys I... can fight all you want, but watch out for overlapping voices. So, okay. w- one at a time, Peter Wood.
2: That is not what happened. In 2007, Coleman and his... Uh, Colleague Jason Zimba were operating on their own. They had nothing to do with the National Governors Association or the uh, Chief State o- uh, School Officers Association. That came later. That came in 2008. I do give Coleman credit that he had a brilliant idea that the way to get his uh, project off the ground was to sell it to these other organizations. And he and his colleagues went out uh, again with Gates money backing them, uh, launched a vigorous campaign to persuade Gates and persuade the National Governors Association to take this on. They were successful. They created something that appealed bipartisan to Republicans and Democrats. Initially, they had uh, very strong support across the spectrum for this, but it came from them. It didn't come from conservatives. As to Coleman's own political leaning... As to Coleman's own political leanings, those are evident in his writings and his declarations. You can go back to his 2007 publication, which is the sort of the grandfather document of the whole Common Core, math and science standards that are fewer, clearer, higher to raise achievement at all levels. And it's a very progressive document. He's setting out to cure the achievement gap by lowering standards and calling it raising standards. That's an uh, 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 argument in its uh, uh, own right. But now, ge- that.
0: Gentlemen, I, w- I, w- I give you a challenge to your imagination, and this goes first to Saul Stern. I'm going to play a role, and I am the governor of uh, the island of Sakhalin, and uh, uh, the, uh, the millions of parents who uh, live on the island are very unhappy with our educational system, and we're looking around for something new. Tell me what, if uh, you sold me, or sold Our uh, group uh, in authority on Sakhalin, if you uh, tried to sell us the Common Core, what would you tell us to do? Basically, what would the Common Core be in our school system, starting from scratch?
1: Well, it's a series of standards of the kinds of things. Uh, that kids uh, should be able to do in each grade, this in itself is a huge advance because, first of all, uh, we had before this, uh, we had 50 states with 50 different standards. That means... We
0: have have 16 provinces on the island of Sakhalin.
1: So? So will each one have its own... all All the provinces, yes, should be on the same page in terms of what it of what, uh, 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 what, what kids should be able, to, the kind of skills they should have, what kind of uh, things they should be able to uh, do in both math and the uh, levels of reading in uh, English language arts. The Common Core that just focuses on those two subjects.
0: And how are those uh, standards? Most important, well, hold on. Yes, sir.
1: The, most important, in my view, what, what I would say is I would cite one particular uh, um, uh, passage in the Common Core, which, in my view, is a huge breakthrough if you know anything about the history and the, the damage done uh, by uh, progressive education and, and its role in creating this wasteland of American education in which kids graduate from college and don't know anything, don't know uh, in what century the Civil War was fought. That's, I mean, that's not hyperbole. We have evidence behind it. Now comes along. Common Core, and while it lays out standards, more important, more important, it says the following. While the standards make reference to some particular form of content, including mythology, foundational U.S. documents, and Shakespeare, they do not, indeed cannot, enumerate all or even most of the content that students should learn. The standards must therefore be complemented by a well-developed, content-rich curriculum. Now, this goes against the grain of everything that the ed schools and the progressive education establishment has been doing for 50 years and has taken american education down the tubes because there is no content uh, stressed in in uh, in curricula no factual knowledge a vague kind of progressivism which kids uh, uh sort of work and figure it out all on their own it's not only sent america into the you know into the depths in terms of international comparisons but has made it impossible to close the achievement gap because poor minority kids come into school desperate for some content knowledge now we have a document that calls on the states that do adopt this standards and all states have not adopted it, and some have decided not to which is fine Uh, but if they do adopt it it asks it urges them the document that they adopt to develop a content-rich curriculum. It doesn't have to be the same curriculum, but it has to focus on grade-by-grade grade content knowledge. In my view, that's a huge, huge advance to well, what we had before. Let me turn
0: and to let me, let me turn to Peter Wood with this. Uh, Saul says in his contribution to the book that you have co-authored. You haven't co-authored in that you've gone over each other's copy. You've done two separate sections arguing uh, the basic issue of Common Core, yes or no. And uh, you're arguing... Uh, No, and Saul Stern is arguing yes. But one point he makes is, if you abandon the Common Core, if you yield to all of the conservative argument now, which is growing against the Common Core, what you're going to get is a restoration of the worst of all possible educational systems, namely so-called progressive education, which doesn't progress at all and which leaves kids confused and teachers unhappy. Uh, Do you agree, Peter, that... Uh, the alternative of progressive education is not an acceptable one.
2: Uh, yes, I do agree with that. I think progressive education has been a disaster, and it's a long-running disaster, and it's deeply institutionalized. I don't think that the Common Core is uh, a dam that will uh, restrain those floodwaters uh, in the least. It is a. Uh, it has in its... Uh, uh, documents this uh, wonderful 50-word passage that Saul just quoted. That's a kind of honey trap for conservatives. It was not part of the original scheme. It was added in order to buy the favor of uh, people on the right who were going to be doubtful about this. Uh, I say that with confidence because those 50 words have never been given any life in the actual Common Core at all. Uh, What we're getting under the Common Core is pretty much the same old progressivism repackaged. It now Has some degree of um, uh, uh, rhetoric around what it. What
0: is the mark of progressivism? The mark of
2: progressivism. Well, Saul probably will have a much better informed answer to that. So let me defer to him on that. All right.
1: Well, it uh, it's uh, uh, the it has many elements, including, by the way, uh, teaching for social justice. The most popular book uh, textbook in the uh, education schools of the United States is a book called uh, Pedagogy of the Oppressed by a, a Brazilian Marxist named Paulo Freire, who takes his guidelines for you know education from people like Lenin and Che. And so, you want a leftist? This is really a leftist, not David. Coleman, Paulo Freire is empowered in our education schools. It's sold a million copies, all in education, and, and, uh, whereas E.D. Hirsch is, is anathema, uh, who, 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 who calls for a content-rich curriculum. So it's partly social justice teaching. It's partly organizing classrooms to appeal to children's various interests. Uh, it's probably taking away the authority of the teacher, making a teacher instead of a, a sage on the stage, as the slogan goes, that teacher becomes a guide on the side. And kids develop at their own pace. They pick their own readings based on their own interests. There is a de-emphasis on factual knowledge. My kids went to a progressive uh, school in New York City, a public school. And the school was named after William Tecumseh Sherman. That was the name of the school, the William Tecumseh Sherman School. I would ask the kids sometimes, do you know who William Tecumseh Sherman was? No. Do you know what he was famous for? No. Do you know anything about the Civil War? No. They weren't taught about the Civil War. And I went to the principal. I said, how come our kids don't know anything about the Civil War? And he said to me, literally, I quote him. A very sweet man. He loved the kids. I quote him. Uh, "Kids, Our kids need to learn how to learn about the Civil War. It's not so important they know they know about the Civil War now.
0: Sounds this familiar. Is,
1: this is, this yes. is the disaster of progressive education.
0: You know, you've given me an occasion to tell you another story, and this is a story about myself. <clears throat> As I think you both know. I had a long, very long career as a university teacher. I went to Emeritus about eight or nine years ago, though I still occasionally uh, do a course. Uh, over all my years teaching at such places as Yale, uh, Dartmouth, and then a long, long run at the University of Chicago, I was constantly surprised. And dismayed, more and more so as I went on in a long academic career, uh, dismayed by how little the entering students knew, what little skill they had with the language or with ordered thought, uh, what little ability they had to frame uh, a paragraph, let alone uh, even uh, a readable and attractive sentence, and how utterly inadequate was their knowledge in most realms, certainly in literature, in uh, uh, the arts generally, and surely in history. When Saul mentioned earlier uh, kids who don't know where to place the Civil War, I did a cultural literacy test, which I gave in the last day of my largest class every year for a number of years. One of the items was, what are the dates of the American Civil War? Not one out of 20 could place it in the right decade, uh, or even, I should think, the right century. Many other items on that test were all equally blank in terms of student response. One thing I asked them was name a novel by Saul Bellow. That was particularly appropriate at the University of Chicago, where Saul Bellow was teaching. Not one, one out of uh, 20 or so could come up with the name of a novel by Saul Bellow. In almost every area, and these were usually sophomores and juniors uh, in this undergraduate course, in almost every area, they were woefully empty and unprepared. Why? not because they had bad college teachers, though maybe they had some irresponsible ones far too given to political correctness and to their brand of leftist uh, inculcation, but basically they had a lousy uh, education in the secondary and the primary schools. And I don't know whether that was due to inadequate teachers who just didn't know enough to teach, or who rather were bound to uh, pedagogical systems which handicapped them and made true education impossible. But from the point of view of the veteran college teacher, it's clear, it was to me as little as eight or nine years ago when I finally went emeritus, that the students I was getting, although they supposedly had high SATs and got into a major American university, simply were not yet educated. or trusted that four or five years later, they might emerge educated. Uh, And if not that, ultimately life and professional uh, experience would educate them. But so much more could have been accomplished than was in the schools that they went to. End of peroration.
2: Well, let me... um put a coda on this, that uh, Saul's description of what progressive education is and has been and your experience in finding the vast ignorance of uh, students when it comes to matters like history and literature uh, are things which I strongly endorse. I've seen it myself. Uh, To bring us back to the topic, I don't see that the Common Core, uh, as it has been laid out, is going to be a solution for any of these problems. For one thing, this is right now a math and English language arts curriculum, so it's certainly not going to cure history, but let's be reminded that the people who are charged with teaching the Common Core are the same educators, the same teachers that are in the schools right now, the ones who have been through our schools of education and have read Paulo Freire, Freire, sorry, And Howard Zinn, whose knowledge of the American past is rooted in this disdain for American exceptionalism and kind of negligence towards factual knowledge and the use of memory and all the pedagogical tools that are the tried and true legacy of schooling over the last several thousand years, instead These same teachers are now going to be charged with implementing the Common Core standards. Now it is true that there are standards and they're not as uh, porous as the curriculum that we have right now is, but that porosity is... leaves us with the situation that they are going to be filling in those things that are left to be filled in with the Common Core, with what kinds of knowledge they think is important, and not with Edie hirsch style cultural literacy. That's just not in the game plan.
1: Well, you're wrong about that, Peter, because I'll give you some actual facts. Instead of these generalities, the fact is that there are 72 elementary schools in New York City, that are now using, only as a result of the Common Core State Standards, that are now using the uh, E.D. Hirsch core knowledge curriculum. And, and I have spoken to a number of these principals. I've visited a number of these schools. So these very same teachers, which you say can't be moved off their uh, you know, trajectory because they've been brainwashed, you know, and we agree, they've probably been brainwashed in ed school, But, in fact, in these schools they are. They're given this curriculum, and in first grade, uh, kids are uh, are learning about uh, ancient civilization, and they're doing it. They're teaching the kids about ancient civilization. Even if they don't know a damn thing about it themselves, there is material in the guides, in the, in, in the teacher guides that they have, and they're following that curriculum. It isn't so in every school in New York City. Some have chosen a different curriculum, but it's also at least more content-based. So all, these principles that I spoke to are very hopeful. We You talk in the abstract. I'm, talk, uh, I'm, I'm telling you that in reality the evidence is that many schools in New York City, which is the, uh, the where I live and which I've written about, the schools which I've written about for the last 15 years, in many schools in New York City, there is already tremendous progress, and we're only into the first or second year of Common Core uh, implementation. A simple and item of know.
0: information that I think we need at this point. How widely has Common Core been accepted and institutionalized, in how many states and for that matter, to what degree is there sort of central Supervision that the common core is being developed and uh, and um, uh, and placed uh, so as no to represent what is really in the original conception.
1: Forty-five, 45 so forty six states out of fifty states. Uh, adopted it uh, when it was first uh, offered uh, out there, in part because there was some money attached from the federal government. Now, three or four states have, in one way or another, uh, dropped out. Some, uh, even more, have dropped out of, uh, we haven't discussed the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, set of uh, assessments to, to consortiums and' are uh, developing tests related to the Common Core. So, uh, so it's you know, and it'll probably there's tremendous opposition, and it'll, and more states will drop out. In my view, I don't care if 20 states or 30 states do it, and we have to be patient. I think after 10 years of 20 states or 10 states do it very well, you'll see really good good results and we'll have a better idea of uh, of of uh, what the potential is this is something you can't one of the one of the problems in education is you have to be patient you can't turn around education the way you can turn around policing a mayor can come in and do Good policing policies, and, and you will see the results within a year of less crime in education. You're starting with kids, and you know, in, in kindergarten, and you have to wait and to see how how the program, how the development moves with some sort of uh, new policies. And uh, uh, that's, in, in my view, that's the tragedy with all the. <laughs> against the Common Core because it won't give uh, the possibility of it to to develop. But I I believe in some states that are doing it well, you're going to see very strong results. But it's not going to happen this year or next year. It's going to take a number of years.
0: What attitude has been uh, characteristic of the schools of education uh, where these teachers in the main, are trained? What attitude towards the Common Core uh, and its institutionalization itself? Are the edu- are the educationists for it, against it, or divided?
1: Um, well, some are for it, and some, <laughs> and and a lot are also against it. There is a tremendous resistance among the progressives. <sighs> the more progressive elements in the ed schools, or they've tried a different tack. For example, one of the paragons of progressive education in New York City is Lucy Calk, Professor Lucy Calkins of uh, Columbia Teachers College. She developed balanced literacy, which is a form of whole language instruction, which is the essence of progressive education in terms of teaching reading to, uh, to young children. So she has uh, tried to twist now, the, 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 the actual Common Core standards are sort of vague in some places, and she's tried to make a case that her balanced literacy uh, falls under the rubric that, that meets these standards. But New York City and New York State rejected that. They've sort of not recommended. After her being the dominant progressive approach in New York City with 50 years for, you know, eight to ten years as a result of Common Core, Lucy Calkins' balanced literacy hasn't has, uh, has completely disappeared, but it is not recommended anymore by the New York City Department of Education. Peter that's Wood.
0: Huge, Peter Wood.
1: Huge advance.
0: Yeah, let me go to Peter for your reactions to all that's been said in the last few minutes. It uh, takes some time to uh, simply uh, give us your opinions and your counterfacts if you have any.
2: I don't have much in the way of counterfacts. I'm quite cheerful about the approach to the Common Core that takes it as an experiment that will run its course in, say, ten or a dozen states. And that goes to my view that the positive aspect of the Common Core is that it could be run as an experiment. And if it is run as an experiment in which some schools pursue the E.D. Hirsch a knowledge-based curriculum, that's a good thing. Um, now, there's there's caveats to that, which I'll get to in a moment. But, of course, the first big problem is that this um, attitude that uh, we can freely experiment and figure out what aspects of the Common Core work and which don't and which need to be revised is not the spirit of the Common Core itself. Uh, it is a top-down kind of imposition on most of the states, states that have tried to back out, have been getting stiff warnings and punishments meted out by uh, Arne Duncan, the Secretary of Education, who uses his powers to uh, cancel the uh, Waivers that he was offering from No Child Left Behind, just a little bit of bureaucratic stuff that has real financial consequences for the states. So when Indiana tried to pull out, it got one of these letters saying, you know, yeah, you can pull out, but if you do, you're going to lose millions and millions of federal dollars on an ongoing basis. So the idea that their states are free to experiment and try it out and back out if they want to is, let's say, over. The freedom to back out of this is not very great. Uh, Saul alluded a moment ago to the uh, testing that goes with this. There are two testing consortia, uh, one called Smarter Balance, the other called PARC. Some of the states are trying to back out of those as well, but these are uh, private entities that can dictate with no input whatsoever from school boards, the general public, or state legislatures what... The content of the education should be because, of course, the schools are going to end up teaching to the tests, and the tests are under the firm control of these bureaucrats who run the Common Core. Who
1: do you think writes the tests now before Common Core, Peter? In New York State, McGraw-Hill wrote the tests. Right now, Pearson, this huge conglomerate, is writing the tests. And uh, and under No Child Left Behind, which most Republicans support, 90% of Republicans supported, you had to uh, test kids from 3rd to 8th grade or lose your Title I funds. Talk about federal imposition. They came under No Child Left Behind. Uh, by contrast, in common, core, in common Core State Standard, there is no federal official telling New York City uh, uh, Department of Education or the schools which curriculum they should choose. They're completely free to choose whatever curriculum that they believe is aligned with the Common Core. You've got it totally upside down. It's the, it's the no-child left behind, which all, almost all conservatives supported, that is incredibly draconian, imposing curriculum on on, on the schools.
2: It's just another kind of imposition. I'm not defending no child left behind in the least. The tool of imposition has shifted. The goal of imposing has not. In fact, it's just gotten rather more sophisticated. And
1: Why do these 72 schools in New York City choose uh, core knowledge? What federal official told them to choose core knowledge?
2: So far as I know, no federal official did, okay. and whether they will be able to use the core knowledge curriculum on an ongoing basis remains to be seen, because as soon as these students...
1: Everything remains to be seen, Peter.
2: Yes, and that's why I'm happy to approach this in the in the spirit of an experiment and not a set of national regulations that have been co- cobbled into place by means of various forms of political stealth and pressure, which is what we've got. Um, oh, okay. As to whether... There's no political
1: stealth and pressure before Common Core in education departments around the country.
0: Is the possible explanation of all of this, that uh, the uh, GRE scores of people who go to graduate school or professional school have been examined from one profession to another to another. And the one that ranks lowest in terms of average GRE score uh, is the profession of educationism. That is, professors of education Uh, were less effectively educated, or maybe just not as smart as just about any other recruit to any other American profession.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree with that, and we know that's true. That's unfortunate. But it's not so much that they're not as smart as others. It's that they have the wrong ideas. Or they're not as educated as others. What's that?
0: Or that that they are not as educated as others.
1: the main problem is as Hirsch has frequently said, it's that they have the wrong ideas, that they've been yes. that they've adopted this approach to education that in a way goes all the way back to Rousseau, that the that the child it's a kind of romanticism mm-hmm. that the child can develop on his or her own, that the child is a center, that the child will in effect tell us. The child will tell us. This is total, you know, Western romanticism and it's very deep and there's a very deep tradition. You know,
0: E.D. Hirsch's name has come up a number of times tonight. We haven't really fully defined him. Uh, He uh, was, I guess he's in retirement by now, uh, a professor of English. he's
1: still writing. He has a book, by the way. He has a book which deals in part with what happened in France, of how yes. what a disaster occurred in France when they gave up the top-down uh, f- uh, federally imposed. Well, I'm,
0: I'm extremely impressed by Hirsch. Uh, he is, of course, professor now emeritus of education, at, uh, rather of English, at the University of Virginia. And yes. I remember one of the best nights in my rather long radio career, because, as you both know, apart from being a college. A teacher, I have indeed been a radio quote, talk show host, was the night that E.D. Hirsch was on the program together with Lynn Cheney. And the two of them sort of discovered each other that night and have since often worked together, I think. And both right. Lynn Cheney and I uh, were extremely enthusiastic about. Uh, Hirsch this was way back in 95 when i guess his book cultural literacy had appeared and he was uh, promoting that book that night i've rarely w- had i've rarely had as fulfilling an experience as reading his book because it was responsive to much of my own frustration which i've already uh, talked about earlier as a college teacher it showed me well, why so many of my students simply weren't really there and one had to do one had to go remedial before one could really do anything with them or for them uh hirsch's well, basic idea
1: hirsch, hirsch wrote letters to several states uh, uh appealing for them to adopt the common core when they were making the decision whether to adopt it and he said The the reason, and Peter's right by the way. Does he still
0: Does he still support Common Core?
1: Well, he's worried about some of the implementation, as I am, and he's worried about. To him, the question is, which is the question we We don't know. This is an ongoing phenomenon in many states, and there's a battle going on. And I wish instead of hurling grenades against the Common Core, Peter and uh, other conservatives would get into the trenches and fight in places like New York City to make sure that more kids in more schools uh, uh, have curricula that are adopted because of the Common Core that are Hirsch based. Anyway, my point was that paragraph, which I quoted, was partly inserted into there because to win over Hirsch, and Hirsch in turn wrote letters to several states urging them, the state education departments, to adopt the Common Core. So basically, Hirsch is on the side of the Common Core with some equivocations, and he has many of the concerns that Peter has about you know, how, uh, whether or not uh, it will be adopted uh, with fidelity to the idea of a, of, of a content-based curriculum, and that's something uh, that there's an ongoing battle over in, in many states.
0: Uh, Peter, have you had a chance to discuss this with E.D. Hirsch?
2: No, I, I have never met E.D. Hirsch. I did read cultural well, literacy when it was published, and I have... Uh, a kind of guarded admiration for him. I'm not quite the enthusiast that either you or Saul are. Um, I. Found in the original cultural literacy, uh, what you say, an appeal to the idea that there was common knowledge that should be part of everybody's education that was not being transmitted due to the progressive leanings of our schools.
0: Or you can't talk to one another. You can't come to a common understanding of what you separately think, if either of you thinks at all.
1: By the way, the, the, the content knowledge is also important. It's not only important for itself so that kids know when the Civil War was fought and so they can be good citizens in our, in our, uh, in our uh, republic, but the other uh, contribution that Hirsch has made is like almost a, it's, it is a scientific contribution about the science of reading, and that is that and cannot be a good reader. One of the reasons our kids are illiterate 8th graders, uh, you know, uh, uh, 23% of the 8th graders in New York City read at a, at a, at a uh, at grade level, and the rest are, are damned, they're, they're finished. One of the reasons they're not good readers is there's no content, background knowledge. To be a good reader, you, you, of course, the phonics part is important uh, to decode uh, the letters and sounds of the English language. But to understand read, to be able to read a complicated text, you need this background knowledge. Knowledge. By depriving these kids of background, uh, kids of background knowledge, you also doom them to be, uh, uh, in
0: large part, illiterate. Well, is there a deprivation of background knowledge in part a function of uh, uh, unshared general cultures? I have in mind particularly, and I can say it directly and not worry too much about PC response. Is it the case that both for uh, ghetto blacks, inner city blacks, and for the increasingly uh, vast Uh, group of uh, American Latinos of uh, South American origin, largely Mexican, but uh, Central American as well, and uh, it will grow as we know. Uh, Is it possible that we're not getting cultural adaptation and rapid assimilation into American culture? Um, And that makes uh, the development of a common core of cultural literacy increasingly uh, unavailable and thus tends to lead Uh, to uh, educational failure more for those groups or low educational attainment more in those groups than in uh, the standard uh, old-fashioned white Anglo-Saxon or white Jewish American.
1: Yes, but that's the fault of the schools. That's the fault of the lack of a content-based curriculum in the schools. It's precisely because uh, uh, poor uh, minority kids uh, come into school in first uh, kindergarten with uh, in, uh, you know uh, way behind in vocabulary. Why do
0: Chinese kids, children of Chinese immigrants, or even very young Chinese immigrants themselves, and or Indian well, uh, immigrants, parents, do so well in our school system? Because
1: they're Parents are sending them to Saturday school because their parents are telling them uh, to read uh, and and uh, and to study. So if, uh, of course, but well, you know, the, the whole purpose of our schooling is to try to, to try to allow these kids that don't have it when they come in to catch up, and they can catch up if they have a vague, if they have a vague uh, 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 fragmented curriculum with no no agreed upon set content knowledge. Therefore. That that my kids' principal and said doesn't matter if you know about it. Good, the civil
0: uh, Peter Woods. It was damning it was damning my uh, poor kids. Peter Wood, your views on the same with the common understanding, which I think the three of us share, that this has nothing to do with inherited differences. It has to do with cultural differences. Why do some of the uh, assimilating cultures do so well in this country and its educational system, and some do comparatively po- much much worse?
2: Well, I'd say that a very strong part of this has been the cultivation on a systematic level of for Mainly political advantage of the Democratic Party of uh, grievance politics and celebrating difference and emphasizing the uh, the narrative that you can't get ahead and building up a a sense of overall resentment uh, that becomes the defining
0: even as far as even as far minority as
2: minority groups but not for all is it and,
0: even does it go even as far as don't talk like whitey
2: yes of course it does there there are there is a long history of high educational attainment by american blacks from the end of the civil war to the 1960s at which point something drastic happens that begins to open up this uh motivation gap as much as it is an achievement gap in which large numbers of the members of the black community decide that education, uh, according to the most rigorous standards, is is not for our community. Now, of course, there it's a complicated picture. There's voices on the other side, but when we look at the aggregate and the, the way these statistics run, it's a pretty harsh picture that one has to deal with, and dealing with it in uh, a kind of open way and being able to talk about these problems has become fraught. The moment you open up the topic, uh, accusations of racism apply and so on. Um, I do want to get this back to the the Common Core on this. um, Is the Common Core going to be a a solution to the achievement gap? Uh, I, I want to give full scope to Saul's idea that it could be that if you uh, bent the common core in the direction of Edie hirsch style cultural literacy and you were able to get members of all the groups, including underperforming groups, to take this on as the great narrative of what education is, that seems to me arguably something that might work. But is it going to work is the real question here. And that has to do with what the common core really puts on offer. Maybe it can be bent in the direction of a a cultural literacy, knowledge-based curriculum, but that's not what the Common Core itself emphasizes. If you go into the standards, they talk about, for example, the three most important things are, I'm quoting now, greater focus on fewer topics, coherence. And rigor. Now all three of those things sound at least superficially like a good thing. What do they mean by coherence? It's not a list of disconnected topics. It has no tricks and no mnemonics. In other words, if you're talking about teaching students to remember that the Civil War began with shots fired on Fort Sumter in 1860, that is a disconnected topic that involves memorizing something, and the Common Core sets out right from the beginning beginning to say, no, that's not what we're about. If you match that to a Hirsch-style knowledge-based curriculum, you've got friction. The idea that drives the Common Core and the idea that drives cultural literacy a la Hirsch are very separate ideas. They're vectors pointing in different directions.
1: Well, you ever visit some of these 72 schools and you'll see there is no friction. They They are, for better or worse, Uh, obviously some are better teachers, some are not such good teachers, but the kids are working on this uh, a Hirsch Hirsch, uh, core knowledge curriculum. And and I agree with Peter that, you know, Peter said it, it could develop in this direction, but it may not or more likely will not. But what I would say to Peter is, so where are you and your fellow conservatives, the Pioneer Institute and the American Values Play? Well, why aren't they in the trenches fighting to make sure, hectoring the, uh, the departments of education around the country and saying to them, look, it says in this Common Core, you claim you, claim you want them to do a good job in the Common Core, and it says develop a content-rich curriculum. We want to see the content-rich curriculum. We, we, you know, why aren't you in that battle? Uh, I would, I would hope you should be in that battle because if you win that battle, you'll win the battle on. You will eventually win the battle on the campuses where you're not doing so well these days, and I regret that. I agree with everything you stand for on the campuses, but you can't win that battle unless you win the battle for content knowledge. And right now, the Common Core is is the only game. And if we didn't have it, we'd be back to progressive education ruling the roost in in, in the ed schools. They will win the left. That is also, by the way, we have mention this the education left is also totally opposed to the common core uh, and but they know their interests. They know, they know what will happen if we, they they get rid of the Common Core. It'll be back to the old days. It'll be back to Paulo Freire uh, studies in the Ed.
0: School. Now, actually, I'm very glad you talk about the educational left. Let me uh, offer a characterization. Tell me whether this is right or wrong. Uh, this is not a left-right difference. Both of you are conservatives, and you've done a great deal of work uh, as educated, intelligent conservatives. Uh, where, where you focused on things other than? education and how it ought to be constructed uh and strangely or uh confusingly uh, those who favor the common core uh criticize the right uh, leftists who favor the common core criticize the right for opposing it conservatives who claim uh favor the common core criticize the left for uh, uh, wait a
1: minute, Milt. Milt, Milt. I think you're off base here. I don't know if it's you know more than maybe the, the number of fingers on one hand uh, of educa prominent education leftists who uh support the common core. I mean, tell
2: me if you know some.
0: Am I uh, Peter? Am I that, that far off base?
2: Well, the the heads of the teachers unions were um at least initially very strongly in favor of the Common Core. They're not usually mistaken as conservatives. Exactly.
1: Yeah, but they're not leftists. When I'm talking about leftists, I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know... uh, Talk
0: about liberals uh, and conservatives.
1: No, uh, education leftists. I'm talking about the Lucy Corkins types. I'm talking about uh, uh, these organizations that Diane Ravitch has, uh, has, has now started. They're all on the left. They all believe America is an unjust society, and they're all opposed to the Common Core. So, uh, again, you're, you're right, Peter, that the union's... Uh, well, first, they thought it was the wave of the future. They didn't have a problem with it. Uh, uh, but I, I don't see a Randy Weingarten as some screaming leftist. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh,
2: the
0: fact is that... Then what, have, the, what we have here from Saul Stern, Peter, is essentially the intimation, if not the full assertion, that uh, the Common Core is a conservative movement. Uh,
2: I understand that that is uh, Saul's main contention. Uh, I think it is mistaken, um, and it's in a certain sense uh, willfully mistaken in that uh, it's hard to look at the the body of material that makes up the substance of the Common Core and come away from it saying uh, this is going to be a, a curriculum that Builds citizenship, and that uh, looks upon America as a grand and noble experiment, and that knowledge is going to flow from this into uh, building a society that is.
1: Uh, I don't say it will. I say it's more likely to than what, what we had before, and what we had before was pr- producing the catastrophe on the uh, on the American uni- an American university that has uh, that uh, that you have uh, tilted swords against. Uh, and, and and that you have no solution for without a change in the in in, in, in the early
2: grades. There is an argument here about what amounts to regime change in education, and Saul has several times, appropriately enough, laid down the gauntlet, if you're not for the Common Core, what are you for? Uh, I pick my battles. Right now, I see that the uh, Common Core, which has been largely marketed under the slogan of making students college and career ready uh, is making them ready for something but I don't think it's either college or career the, uh, there are a few threads here that I need to get into the discussion and we can pick them up separately one of them is this college ready and the other is the math side of uh, the common core in that the E.D. E. Hirsch knowledge curriculum is most conspicuously about uh, reading, history the, the literary side of things The Common Core itself is in equal parts a math curriculum and an English language arts curriculum. Both of them have flaws, they're rather different flaws. The math side of it is uh, especially problematic in that it is, uh, it's actually the first part, it was where Coleman and his uh, uh, partner Jason Zimba Began uh, set out the idea that uh, the achievement gap in American education, that is the racial achievement gap, results from schools doing, trying to teach too much to kids at too high a level. So the initial concept paper for the Common Core, uh, co-authored by Coleman and Zimba, says the answer to this is uh, fewer standards and lower standards. But then they realize that calling the standards lower is going to be very poor marketing. So they say, if we lower the standards, higher numbers of people will be able to pass them. If you lower the uh, the size of the stairs oh. to one inch, lots of people are going to be able to step over it. So read let's that call paper, these I lower don't, don't standards. Don't, don't talk over me, Saul. Um, if we call these uh, lower standards higher because they allow higher numbers of people to pass, we will therefore have higher standards, and that's a better marketing slogan. Now, in 2007, Coleman is maybe naive enough or maybe frank enough just to lay all this out. Over the years, they became much cagier about this, and the language, the rhetoric that surrounds the Common Core is uh, much more thick with uh, very positive-sounding slogans and reassurances that uh, 50-word passage about the importance of substantive knowledge isn't the only thing in there. Uh, It's thick with reassurances that this is just good, wholesome, Mm -hmm. common-sense American stuff. Coleman, of course, went on from the Common Core to become the um, head of the college board. He did that with the promise when he took the office, that he would make the SATs and the advanced placement tests uh, common core aligned. That word aligned is a real key word in this whole discussion, what's aligned and what isn't. Uh, He has now taken the first two major steps towards that. In the spring of this year, he altered the SAT, basically dumbed it down to make it uh, common core friendly, common core aligned, and then they have released a a revision of the Advanced Placement uh, USAP History course, which um, is uh, astonishingly um, anti-American. It it erases, for the most part, the founding of the American nation. Um, It takes whole figures of central importance to our history, like Madison, and disappears them, drops them into the memory hole. Um, This isn't Coleman's work by any means. He uh, came into the College Board when the College Board had been working on this project for some years. The college board itself was shy about releasing this thing until Coleman pulled the trigger on it and said, yes, that's Common Core aligned. We'll go with it. So we are experiencing at the level of higher education um, uh, a set of Common Core consequences that are very dire indeed. Now, Saul is challenging me to go out and try to fix the schools, but I'm worried about what's going to happen to the colleges as the Common Core tsunami hits our shores.
1: Well, uh, I don't think anything worse can happen than what we have now. You know, uh, you go to the UCLA, as my colleague Heather McDonald has uh, brilliantly pointed out, the UCLA English department was one of the most, one, it was once the, one of the glories of American literary studies, uh, with uh, great scholars in all, in all, of, you know, all the class of Shakespeare scholars, Milton scholars, and it has been totally cannibalized by the left. Uh, so that uh, you don't even have to, re- you know, you could get a degree in English at UCLA without ever having read a, a play by Shakespeare or ever having read any Milton. Uh, so or it, it from a any, you can have a professor who's never any you
0: can have a professor who's never read Shakespeare. Listen, we're almost out of time, and I truly regret that because this is fine content, and we could go on for another hour. But I must uh, b- bring this. Uh, unhappily for me I must bring this to an end and here's my way of doing it I offer you two quotations uh, both about education and I ask you whether either of them uh, uh, appeals to you and whether you could use it to support your argument the one uh, quotation is from G.K. Chesterton who says education is simply the soul of a society as it passes from one generation to another and uh, the other quotation is from a former colleague at the University of Chicago, Alan Bloom, who said, Edu- education is the movement from darkness to light. Does either of those support your argument?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, obviously we're both going to say it does. <laughs> it does. I, <laughs> absolutely it does, my argument. I think Alan Bloom, uh, if you were around, the uh, he was one of the killer bees that the left used to like to attack, including uh, uh, Bennett and Bellow. And uh, uh, Bennett, uh, Bennett is uh, in favor of the common. Bill Bennett is in favor of the Common Core. I think Alan Bloom would be. Not again. Not because uh, he, 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 he thought would think it was a panacea, but he would think it was a step in the right direction. And do you time.
0: agree? Do you agree that education is the movement from darkness to light?
1: Absolutely done well. But it could be, you know, it could keep people in the dark if it's not done well.
0: And do you agree with Chesterton, who's arguing essentially that the work of education is transmission of societal values and societal well, content and knowledge?
1: Well, you should give Peter a chance. I'm sure he'll, he'll agree.
0: Then you both agree on those as uh, significant characterizations of the, the the work of education. Why can't you agree on how to serve those values?
2: All right. Uh, Let me take it on. Um, G.K. Chesterton, in talking about the passing of the soul of society from one generation to the next, uh, is clearly referring to a lot more than simple knowledge. There, There are Uh, complicated values and traditions and uh, integrated bodies of knowledge that need to be um, cultivated carefully and nurtured in the uh, breasts of young men and women um, to make that transmission happen. And uh, I strongly support uh, Chesterson's vision of how that works. I don't think that the, uh, the mechanistic approach to education embodied in the Common Core does that, nor do I think for a moment that the progressive tradition in American education does it either. I don't think replacing one bad thing with another bad thing is much of an improvement, but who knows. As to uh, Alan Bloom's the transmission from uh, or the movement from darkness to light um, I suppose that's why we called it the enlightenment um, but the um, uh, moment in which we attempt that transition is fraught with peril. Some people find that they prefer the darkness of Plato's cave to the, the sunlight of truth, and we have a lot of, that goes on in education now, at least in the name of education, that involves um, binding people to ideologies, shackling them to a kind of love of ignorance, and unfortunately that is to be found in our schools of education, our schools, and, and our colleges. So, um, it, education properly understood is from darkness to light. Education, as it's now practiced, is unfortunately a con- often a love of darkness.
0: Uh, gentlemen, uh, you I, know, I, agree with,
1: I agree with that completely, and I wish Peter would go. Uh, he should come with me and visit some of these core knowledge schools that are core knowledge schools uh, because of the Common Core, and see at least the, there is some light there. There's some light at the end of well, the
0: well. Let government. me let me uh, blank, uh, blank, let now, me please. bring things to an end as I fear I must, by simply pointing out that a full ventilation of these views and of uh, the facts as construed by our two participants uh, is uh, to be found in the book uh, that they have done together. That is, one wrote one section and one wrote another. Uh, Common Core, yay and nay, by Saul Stern and Peter Wood, uh, published by Encounter Books in their Broadside series. And I'm deeply indebted to both of you. Forgive me for calling it to an end, because I would happily go on for another two hours, and perhaps we'll find a way of doing that soon. But my deep thanks to both of you.